Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new Petty Wise podcast from Lee Enterprises. I'm your host, Terry Barr, and happy to have you along with us. Okay, we're talking electric vehicles today, and we have the perfect person to discuss this topic, including why it uh, is going to be something that we're going to see much more of it, and probably pretty quickly. Carly is here, Carly Schaffner, and Carly is the automotive expert at Forbes Wheels. Carly, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. We um, are hearing that there's going to be kind of this goal of maybe 50% of the vehicles on the road in uh, not so far from now. Why is there a goal? I mean, do we need this goal to make this happen, that more people will be driving electric vehicles? I think that we definitely need a push as uh, a country. And obviously we have a collective goal to be cleaner and greener. And I think that will definitely help us get there. So yes, it's good that everybody is, is coming together to try and make it happen. But of course there's many things that need to fall in place in order to, to get there. Right. And I've seen a few electric vehicles. There's also the hybrids. What, what is the difference when we're talking about this right now? So a hybrid vehicle and Toyota really put their thumbprint on hybrids with the Prius a long time ago. A hybrid vehicle uses a gas and electric motor to really increase fuel efficiency. The electric motor is recharged by the gas on downhills and then you really extend fuel efficiency and from a, a gearhead or a car enthusiast point of view, they're not really that fun to drive, but they're great for the environment and you can usually go long spans between fill-ups. A, a plug-in hybrid, which is kind of like this bridge technology, uses a battery that's about 10 times bigger than a regular hybrid. And it charges using the same kind of methodology, except for it can go about 20 miles all in EV range. I, we're seeing like 25 is good. Some, some people claim higher. Um, but of course, it's a very small amount and really the best benefit for it is that extended fuel efficiency and range. And they're more fun to drive because they have instant torque. And um, you'll see this on vehicles like the Jeep Wrangler 4XE. They've added a plug-in hybrid variant to that specific car because when you're trying to crawl over rocks and you need that instant torque, it's it's very helpful. So there's a function to that. Um, Porsche is also using a lot of that technology in their vehicles for high performance reasons as well. Okay. And then we have pure EVs. Yeah. And we actually have a split on the market in terms of efficiency and performance. One really good example of that is the Mustang Mach-E. There's just like the Mustang, there's like a hundred different variants um, not quite that many, but it seems like <laughs> it if, you're, if you're shopping. Right, um, right. So we have the standard Mach-E and then we have the GT Mach-E, which is all the way at, at the other end of the spectrum. So the standard Mach-E is going to be running at 260 miles per charge about, which is like the sweet spot that, there were, that we're in right now. It costs about $40,000. And then the GT is all the way at the end of the other end of the spectrum. And it's going to entice drivers to drive fast, drive fun, and that's going to cut into range. So you're going to want to add a bigger battery. And of course, it's going to be more expensive. And with, of course, the higher price point comes more luxury amenities. And those batteries on pure EVs are about 
five times the size of the batteries on board the plug-in vehicles. Ah, okay. Well, and here's the question, I guess, when we're talking about this and the prices, is this going to be something that your regular person that is wanting to buy a new car, are they going to be able to afford an electric vehicle? Eventually, I think yes. And when I ever, when anytime I talk about this with anybody, I say three things need to happen. Battery ranges need to get longer and top off times need to get shorter. And then ultimately batteries need to get cheaper because once all of that happens, it will eliminate a lot of the anxiety that a lot that people feel converting from gas to electric because mm -hmm. there's a gas station on or two on every corner of our country. The charging stations, while they're growing, it's just not as robust. Not everybody has the access at their home or their work. So that plays a part. And also these really super high performance Porsche, Audi type Mach-E GT electric vehicles that we're talking about are really expensive. So there are ways though, and currently we actually have a really great tax credit plan in place from the federal government that's been ongoing. It's $7,500. It's not a rebate. It doesn't come off of the hood of the car when you drive it off the lot. Uh -huh. What it is, is it's a credit against what you're owed when you file your taxes. And then some people would argue that's not that great because what if you only file $3,000, you're not going to get that $1,500 back. So I don't think that's the difference actually, but <laughs> you're not going to get the difference back. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's going to go away um, is the point. So for vehicles, for the everyday consumer, when you're shopping in this $40,000 price point. And, and let me stop is, you there for a minute because yes. that's about the price of a brand new regular car. And we're not even talking the electric car. That's just what people are looking at right now and having to deal with. That's right. So mm -hmm. right now, currently, and we're the automotive industry is facing a lot of different challenges right now, but just in July, we surpassed a high average of 41,000 for a new car, wow. which is, is not that cheap of a car. And so the sweet spot of EVs is around $40,000 right now. And that I would have guessed much higher. So that's really good then. It is. And that's actually before incentives. And that's the federal incentive, the $7,500. So when you look at the different options that the states add, it actually ticks more back. But this cost, this, the cost that a $40,000 EV will come down to is, is $32,500. And then there's another sticky point with the $7,500 credit, although it's great, is that it has a cap on automakers that have sold over 200,000 EVs. Uh, so early pioneers of the technology, one being Tesla, because it's a ground up EV company, GM, because they came out early with the Chevy Bolt, which was right. a plug-in. It's now retired and the Volt was the plug-in, the Bolt with a B, that's the EV. Yep. That is a, is a top seller. They've hit their cap. So if a consumer wants to buy from GM or wants to buy from Tesla, they're going to have to buy a sticker price. But it sounds like when you're saying this and, and when you talk about the Bolt and the Volt and how they're already hitting some of those numbers, there is demand out there. Yes, there's definitely demand. And um, I'm, I am based in Southern California and yeah. the coasts are in a bit of a, 
a different situation where we do see early adopters of the technology quite frequently. So it makes us feel as if everybody's buying electric vehicles. However, the market is quite small. It's only 2% EVs only, and that's pure EVs. So not including plug-ins or hybrids or any other form of electrification. They only account for 2% of the overall sales. So we do still have some work in terms of wider adoption. Right. And educating like you're helping us do today. This, there's a lot to this that um, it's not a typical car buying uh, day, is it, when you want to find out more about one of these. For people who are listening, what would you suggest they consider? Or what should they sort of dive into to learn more about these cars? Well, first, right now, we do have a new president, and he's instituted a, um, or put, put through to the House and the Senate, a, a bill that is in the Ways and Means Committee right now. And then without getting too technical, there's two versions of it. And what that bill is going to do is actually going to up the 70, or it's asking to up the $7,500 credit. So I would probably pay attention to that. Um, there's some stipulations like with everything about the bill. So what the bill is trying to do is trying to entice gas buyers. So buyers of regular conventional vehicles to consider purchasing an electric vehicle. And that's without all of the behavior changes that are required to, to do so, like longer charging times and range anxiety. The bill is, um, it's an interesting one because what it does is it asks for more incentive on top of EVs that are made in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And the Senate bill, while it breaks out the, the made in the USA component, there is another component that is asking that the only automakers that are unionized get an additional bump. And then the House version kind of bundles them together. Okay. So we need to wait to see and follow it to see what the final version of the bill is going to be. Both of them, the end game, though, is 12500 a considerate amount of money if you take that off of the top of a vehicle. But when the unionized part comes into play, it really eliminates most of them, except for the big three, which are General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis, which is formerly Fiat Chrysler. Wow. The big... Japanese three, Toyota, Nissan, and Honda, and then the big German three, which are Mercedes-Benz, BMW, and Volkswagen are also all in the game. And they all have products coming out as well. And they all make different vehicles and different vehicle components, either in the US or somewhere in North America. So as part of USMCA. So we all need to kind of wait to see where that goes. But that's why I wanted to say there is a quite good $7,500 tax credit that is available to the EVs on sale now. So I would pay attention to that as a shopper. The second thing I would consider is my daily commute. Where do you drive? Do you drive on the freeway? Do you drive on streets and how far? And the reason is, is because obviously range anxiety, which is kind of described as the fear of being stranded somewhere without a recharge station closed because I could feel said, that. Oh my yes. goodness. Yeah. Gas stations are everywhere. We're, right. that's what we're used to. So again, this is a behavior change. It changes your whole mode of thinking. If you're able to get to your job in, in 20 miles, that's probably a safe bet. 
even for a plug-in hybrid, um, it might be calling it a little bit or cutting it a little bit close for plug-in hybrids. But if you have a charging station at your work where you can recoup that, mm-hmm. then it's it might be a smart play for you. You can go long periods of time without having to recharge or refill your gas tank. With the EV owners, if you're if you're getting on the freeway, it's going to fast speeds are going to cut down. So you just want to think about your daily habits and how you use the car, your driving behaviors. And I would also say right now um, to think about the uh, crazy automotive climate that we're in, in terms of um, MSRP, which is obviously the suggested retail price, (laughs) because some things are going to be a little bit more expensive. So we might consider just holding on. Okay. We know this isn't going to go away with the goal being 50% of the new cars sold and by what year is that, Carly? There is a, a, a year that's kind of in this mandate, isn't there? I think he said 40% by 2040. I think the initial was 50, and then he dropped it to 40 by 2040. Um, the big three, though, have said that they're going to be pumping out 40 to 50% collectively. This is not individually, but between 40 and 50% EVs by 2030. This could be something where this is the future. We're starting to see what the future looks like right now. Oh, yes. We're definitely starting to see what the future looks like right now. And it's just a matter of wrapping our minds around it. Like I said, consumer behavior, we all get, you know, into habits and expectations of how cars work and what our daily commutes look like and road trips. That's also going to be a huge challenge. If you're a consumer that likes to travel on the weekends, you're probably going to have a gas car in your driveway for a long time to come. And that's because the charging infrastructure is just not there yet. I will say though, for those off-roading fans, that some um, automakers are starting to put chargers close to what we call the wilderness. So (laughs) desert or, you know, forest mountain off-roading type areas. There's um, a couple in Utah starting to pop up. And that's because we have some very, expensive, but long range um, and and popular, highly anticipated trucks coming out like the Rivian um, R1T and then GMC's $100,000 Hummer truck and um, SUV um, that promise a thousand horsepower. um, And like I said, instant torque. So that's going to be really fun for off-roaders. But that charging infrastructure is an infancy right now. Yeah. Wow. Is there anything we miss that we should be talking about right now? Uh, You've given us some great educational tips. Thank you for those. But as it comes to the electric vehicles and where we are at this moment, did we miss anything? Um, In terms of price point, when you're actually shopping, I want to reiterate that if if an EV has a 260 mile range and a price point that hovers around $40,000, the $7,500 tax credit will actually bring it down to $3,500, which is an affordable vehicle. And looking at the most popular ones, we have the Volkswagen ID4, which is coming in just under 40K for the rear wheel drive version. Um, the popular Chevy Bolt with a B is they actually are ineligible for, as I mentioned, the credits. Yes. So they have 
dropped their price down to around $32,000. The Mach-E starting um, the lower range, smaller battery, the Mustang Mach-E, I keep calling it Mach-E, but we need to remember that not everybody realizes it's the Mustang Mach-E. Right, right. Um, <laughs> it starts around 44,000. And then um, I just want to make one note on the recently um, released or debuted really because it's not in release yet, the Ford F-150 Lightning. So this is a highly anticipated truck I bet. Um, in a different way than the uh, Rivian or the GMC Hummer. And that's because the Ford F-150 is the highest volume vehicle in, in the world. Yeah, It's really the F-Series, which is their, their gamut of trucks. But F-150 is the light duty truck that we all see on the road. Mm -hmm. And Ford believes that if they can convert even a small percentage of those buyers from gas to EVs, that will it will move the needle. Um, the price point for that starts out at $40,000. Um, with the tax credit, it'll bring the truck down to 27,500, which is an affordable truck. Um, that is with the smaller battery and a lot of truck drivers like to tow. So we're still uh, waiting for that info on how, um, what the battery size is and, and what the real world range will drop down to once you hook up your trailer um, with whatever fun gear, outdoor equipment you're hauling. Mm -hmm. But I think the truck is definitely um, in, important. And I think it also was kind of the starter in terms of the conversation, the bigger conversation in terms of the EV credit raising that, which is why the, the unions are part of it because Ford is, is used unionized labor. Absolutely. Um, so that's an anti highly anticipated vehicle. Um, we had a writer there um, to do a ride along with Ford in LA recently. And he said the track performance was amazing. And though the interiors weren't completely done, the exterior looks sharp. And so we're all very, very excited to see, you know, this real, this lightning, the lightning bolt from the sky. <laughs> it really does. It takes everything kind of up a level, doesn't it? Wow. It really does. It really does. Oh my gosh. I think we're going to have to put you on the docket to talk to you again. Yes, maybe in definitely. six weeks or something, because it sounds like this is going to be constantly changing and it is going to impact everybody uh, as we move forward and especially people who are looking to buy cars in the near future. So, uh, wow, Carly, thank you so much for your time and explaining so much for all of us to get a better understanding of where the electric vehicles are right now. My pleasure. Oh my gosh. Again, Carly Schaffner. Carly is the automotive expert at Forbes Wheels. Yeah, Forbes Advisor, of course, and Forbes Wheels is a sister publication of that. I'm Terry Barr, and this is another new Pennywise podcast for you. And of course, you can find uh, any of the other Pennywise that we've already done. There's a whole bunch of them to listen to. Find it wherever you enjoy listening to your podcasts. Thanks again to Carly, and thanks to all of you for joining us. We'll see you next time.